I'm Dr. Rahman and welcome to Black Women's Health. I have a very special guest with me. Um, she is actually a patient at Today's Woman and the other day I saw her in the office and she had a story to tell and after hearing her story I thought it was a true picture of healthcare as we know it today. And I asked her if she would be willing to share her story. Um, she's not going to give any personal identifying information because the story, even though it's her story, it's reflective of healthcare in the United States. And so, with that, I have to say, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here. It's a pleasure um, that you are willing to share your story. Um, why don't we just let you get started? On, I'm going to say June the 4th, I woke up with a headache just on the right side of my head. Um, it lasted that whole weekend, that Saturday and Sunday, and also until that Monday and Tuesday, which I did not go to work because of my headache. Um, over the weekend, I was taking Excedrin migraine to relieve the headache. So I thought I felt good enough on Wednesday to go to work. I attempted to go to work, um, got dressed. When I stepped outside, my vision was blurred. Um, and I thought that was different. I didn't have that symptom that all this week, that weekend, continued to proceed to go catch the subway so I could get to work. And I saw I was having double vision. I was seeing two of everything. So um, I said, well, let me put my glasses on. Maybe that would help. But the glasses didn't help. It just made everything worse. Um, I proceeded to go to work. Um, I proceeded. I made it to work. I logged on to my computer. But by the time I logged on to my computer, I could not see anything because the computer screen and everything was so blurred I couldn't make out anything at that point I locked out and said I need to go to the hospital um, I went downstairs and let my supervisor know I need to go to the hospital they called the ambulance I was taken to Jefferson Hospital um, at that time Jefferson wanted to know what brought me in I explained to him why I was there that day they immediately took me to get an MRI of my brain um, come to find out, I had three tumors in my head. And at the same time, that was causing me to stroke on my right side. Um, I had one big one and two small ones. And on top of that, Jefferson had also told me the tumors did not start there. They had to start from somewhere else in my body. So they proceeded to do um, a CAT scan of my chest and um, stomach area and then at that time they saw something on my lungs um, they didn't tell me or confirm at that time what it was because they wanted to do the lung biopsy first I had the lung biopsy done and come to find out I have lung cancer um, for someone like me that never smoked a day in my life never abused alcohol or drugs it's kind of alarming to me how do I end up with lung cancer 
Um, never had no serious injuries, no serious sickness or anything like that. No hospitalizations, no surgeries or nothing in my life. And I get hit with this all at once. So in the process of all this, um, I had to let it sink in. Um, they finally confirmed that it was cancer on my lungs. And um, it had traveled to my brain and that's why I had this stroke. Um, my tumors in my head, they were treated with radiation treatment. I had three treatments of radiation on August the 27th. I went, well, wait, let me back up. I did spend two weeks in Jefferson Hospital. After Jefferson, I went to a rehab due to my right side being so weak um, from the stroke. I had, I was not able to do anything for myself. I couldn't even wash myself or nothing like that. Due to that, I went to rehab to get my strength back on my right side so I was able to take care of myself again. Um, and after all that, I spent two weeks in that rehab. I came home applying for my medical leave of absence. Thought I had short-term disability Come to find out the end of July, I didn't have short-term disability for my job. Um, according to my human resources department, they said I didn't select it during a benefit packet, but I selected long-term. Okay. Then I proceeded to go to welfare because I needed some type of income to come in. And then welfare told me that I made too much money. I don't know how I make too much money because I'm not working right now. But um, however they calculated, whatever, the last quarter, whatever, they said I made too much money. I proceeded to unemployment. Um, I'm still waiting to hear back from unemployment. It's been eight weeks now, almost, almost eight weeks from them. They told me I will receive a final determination letter in the mail, which I haven't gotten yet. But the... Um, also, the unemployment rep told me even though I'm diagnosed with what I'm diagnosed with, they still would consider that a voluntary quit. So, I'm unable, I don't have short-term disability. I'm unable to collect welfare. <laughs> and I can't, right now, I can't get unemployment because I don't know what the outcome going to be. But probably, it's probably going to be a no. And a couple weeks ago, social worker from Jefferson Hospital reached out to me about a program. It's called the Reaching. Reaching. Take your time. Take your time. Family Reach Foundation. It is to help families and that have, um, or patients that have cancer and they are struggling with paying any bills or anything like that. It's a grant program they offer. Uh, so she submitted my name to that um, organization and they reached out to me and she did tell me the most they would give me would be $1,000. And I did receive the check for $1,000. And here you are. Yes. <laughs> that's that's quite a story, but I just want to kind of emphasize a couple of things that you said. Your past medical history, were you taking medications before 
this is June of 2022 mm -hmm. that all this happened. Mm -hmm. And we're in September, so all this has happened in the past two and a half months. Mm -hmm. So prior to that, were you taking any medications? Besides for my diabetes, mm -hmm. um, other than that, no. No, just medication for your diabetes. Mm -hmm. And I heard you say you do not smoke. Mm -mm. Did you ever smoke cigarettes? Nope. And you do not drink alcohol? Nope. And up until June of this year, you basically thought you were pretty healthy. Mm -hmm. No medical problems. Mm -mm. And this difficulty just kind of came up out of the blue. You woke up one day and you had blurred vision. Um, yeah, well, I had that. It started with the headache on the right side. Headache first, yeah, and, and, and then the then, blurred vision, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then the weakness. The double vision and blurred vision, double vision, and then the weakness on the right side. So, I heard you say you took some mitol or. Uh, I took um Excedrin, Excedrin migraine because I for your that weekend for the yeah. headache, mm -hmm. and then you tried. To go to work on that Wednesday because well, I didn't go to work that Monday and Tuesday. You didn't go to work Monday and Tuesday, so I felt better okay. Wednesday. Okay, I said, I think I'm gonna go to work, and that's why I attempted to go to work. But did you also say you had blurred vision when mm -hmm. you tried to go to work that day? Well, yeah, yes, so but you still tried to go to work, yeah, why? I didn't know that. I just thought it was just, um, I don't know. I just thought, I didn't, I didn't actually think it was something wrong mm. when I had the blurred vision. I just thought it was maybe, um, I've been in maybe that whole weekend and maybe coming outside and the sun was kind of like, ooh, you know, so maybe I'm like, ooh. <laughs> Can I ask, what kind of work do you do? I, I'm a medical case specialist for the, um, Contracted with the VA. And what does that mean? So what does your job entail? Uh, we try to help the vets get their um, disability and pension so claim. You help vets get their benefits. Mm -hmm. right. So surprise, you, you realize at some point that you can't do your work and you need to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. You go into the hospital, and they want to know what brings you here. Mm -hmm. How did you get to the hospital? Ambulance. Okay. Was there family with you, or you, you went solo? I went solo because they came and picked me up from my job. Okay. Um, my niece met me at the hospital. Okay. And that's when they started to do the different tests, and then they saw the masses in your head. Mm -hmm. How did that make you feel? Scared. Mm -hmm. Really scared. Did they suggest anything at that point, or did they say we just need to do more tests? They said that uh, they didn't suggest anything at first. They said we wanted to do some more tests, and we'll let you know the best way we're going to treat it. Okay. And so you said one was big, and two was two other masses were small. Mm -hmm. The big mass. Did they give you a sense of the size of the mass? Uh, they said it was like a size of a, um, I want to say a quarter. A quarter? Mm hmm Okay. So clearly there was a mass. There was three masses there. And they thought the masses are what caused your stroke. Mm hmm And how did they determine that 
they didn't believe it was that the masses were coming from somewhere else. Well, they said normally, in most cases, they said a lot of cases that they don't start there. Mm -hmm. They said they had to come from somewhere else in the body. Mm -hmm. So basically, the with the lung cancer, I guess it moved up here. Mm -hmm. It spread to your brain. Yeah. So this is, you're getting this information in the ER, or are you admitted at this point? I am admitted at this point. Okay. I got the information about the tumors. I was still in the ER. Okay. But the rest of the information from then on, I was admitted into right. the hospital. And then the next process was to figure out where these masses were coming from. Mm -hmm. And that's when they diagnosed you with the lung cancer. They did the lung biopsy. The lung biopsy. And that confirmed. That confirmed that it was a cancer. Mm -hmm. And did they have an explanation for you? You said, I don't smoke. I, I don't, you know, I don't have any, I mean, I'm assuming that means you don't smoke cigars, you don't vape, no. you don't do any of that. <laughs> no. Okay, so you say, I, I'm not at risk because I don't do those things. So how did they explain? Um, well, the oncologist that I see, he said that he said, I know you're wondering, a person like you, never smoke a day in your life, never abuse alcohol or drugs, and you wonder how you end up with lung cancer. I said, yeah. He said, I can't really say how you end up with lung cancer. Uh, I can tell you this much. He said, it was a change in my DNA and he said, not the DNA that we use to figure out or we, if we related and all that stuff like that. He said, I guess it's more like a, I want to say, what they use for cancer DNA, lung cancer DNA. And he said, it was a change in that, and that caused me to have the lung cancer. He said, I don't know if it sounds logical to you, but it's, I was like, it's confusing to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's confusing to me. So, so. Are you saying you didn't under understand the explanation that he gave you? Not really. Um, he tried to explain to me best as he could, mm -hmm. but he kept saying it was a change in my DNA, DNA, and he kept mm -hmm. saying not the DNA that we know of. But he said um, he said he is finding more often that more and more patients are coming up that don't smoke, really? is coming up with lung cancer. So he said he's finding a lot of that lately. And so then, <clears throat> has to be devastating. Very. Um, it sounds like it's one of those moments when life flashes in front of your face. It was. All right, so now you, you have the stroke as a result of the masses, and you find that the masses are a result of the cancer that spread to your brain. Um, and that you didn't have risk factors. And I think what's scary when you hear your story is we think that if we don't do certain things or if we don't engage in certain activities, we don't have to worry as much about coming down with something like this. Right. That's what I always thought. <laughs> yeah. And so... What it means is it could happen to anybody. Right. 
even someone such as yourself who would have basically said, I think I'm a pretty healthy person. Mm -hmm. Wow. All right. So you, you have this devastating news. And so the treatment, they decided to do the radiation to your brain mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. Okay. How did that go? Um, they went well. They went well. I had three three treatments, like I said, and I went back. I went for um, I had an MRI of my brain done August the twenty seventh, and on August the second, I met with the um, doctor, and she told me that my MRI was very was um good. They didn't see no more signs of the tumors. The tumors were gone yeah. after the radiation. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good news. Yep. And did they say you would have to get MRIs periodically? Yeah. Yes, I have to go back in December for another MRI. Because mm -hmm. they said there's always a chance that they might come back. Mm -hmm. So they want to keep on top of it. All right. So people can't see you, but I'm sitting across from you. And you don't look like somebody that's had a stroke. You're able to move both limbs and you walk okay and you don't have a slurred speech or anything. So was that all rehab where you found that your symptoms of the stroke went away on their own? Um, by stroke, I didn't. When I had the stroke, I wasn't paralyzed on my right side. My right side was just very, very weak. And it was to the point point I needed assistance with walking like a walker or somebody to come help me you know walk or stuff like that I didn't have the slur speech I didn't have the like twisted mouth or anything like that I was still able to move my right side but it just was very weak and very painful how long did it stay that way uh, it stayed like that for the whole month maybe the whole month of June or maybe like the first Two weeks of um, July. Okay. And so, um, had you gone back to work? This happened in June. You got this devastating news, one thing after another. You know, just when you think it's bad, they come back and, and let me tell you this, <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you ever go back to work? I haven't gone back to work. So you haven't been to work since that day in June? Right. Okay. Now, because you worked for the VA, you had health insurance. Mm -hmm. And that covered all of your treatments. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. And they still cover your treatments, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the problem is you're not working. Right. And so we're talking about basic income at this point. Mm -hmm. And so you said the first step was you went to... Uh, where you said it earlier, when you realize that you needed money mm -hmm. to live, um, it's great that you were getting the the health insurance and that mm -hmm. was covering because that probably would have been a very expensive hospital bill. Yes. <laughs> um, you said that you went to your job. I went to my... Um, uh, to apply when I went when I realized I was gonna be out of work, I was gonna need time off. I applied for a medical leave of absence, mm -hmm. uh, which is FMLA they call it, mm -hmm. and 
at the time, I did thought I had the short-term disability because I know I have long-term disability. So when they did all my paperwork and everything for that, that's when they let me know I didn't select my long-term benefit when we had our benefit selection process. They just told me I selected the long-term. They told me I didn't pick short-term. Like I said, which is unusual to me knowing I have to pick both in this situation, you know? So in your job with veterans, do you talk to them about disability? I just, what I do, I talk to them, but I don't talk to them about disability. I set up their appointments so they can go to the doctors. Okay. Schedule their appointments. I basically schedule them for their appointments. Okay, so to be clear, you did have FMLA leave. I have FMLA, yeah, FMLA, yes. But that's good for 12 weeks? They gave me about six months to be out. So you have six months where you're covered by FMLA, Family Medical Leave Leave of Absence, absence, right? Mm -hmm. And during that time, you get part of your salary, correct? I don't get any of my salary. They said it's unpaid. Oh, so you no salary at all. No. The security is that you you have a job at the end of your FMLA. Mm-hmm. And so six months of FMLA, FMLA, but no pay. Mm-hmm. And that's when you decided that you would go to see about and so you didn't have short-term disability when does long-term disability kick in for you now that i don't know i don't know uh i was supposed to call them and i didn't call them ask them that so i said i don't have short term so i don't know if i have to have because i was told i have to have short-term disability then when my short-term disability run out my long-term would kick in, long-term disability would kick in. But by me not having short-term disability right now, I don't know if my long-term would kick in. So you're not even sure if you're going to get long-term disability. Right. All right, so still no money. Right. And the next step is you try going to the welfare office Mm -hmm. because you have no income at this point. Right. And they look at your pay stubs Right. And they say you make too much money. They they whatever they calculate they how they calc they calculations they use whatever go by quarters or something, whatever quarter. Okay, the last then, work quarter last three yeah. months. And they want to see how much you earned in the past three months. Right. So they use that and I don't think that's fair, but I don't know how you know, I don't think that's fair. So they looked and they said, too much. Did they say, come back after another three months of not working? Or you've got no they guidance? Say, okay. They didn't say. They just said, you make too much money. You won't be eligible. All right. So no short-term disability. Well, no income coming in. <laughs> no short-term disability. Um, too much money in the last quarter to qualify <laughs> for welfare. For welfare. <laughs> and then you go to the unemployment office. Mm-hmm. Right, and they say, they say we don't know. Right, basically, we have to look at things. Right, and we'll get back to you. Right, 
but it's now been eight weeks since yeah august 1st when i applied so this is we get ready going to what october yeah so it'll be two months so the, they told me six to eight weeks but like she told me i will get a final letter in the mail about my final determination on my claim All right, but you did have a social worker that came through, mm -hmm. and she found a program for you, mm -hmm. and it helped, but it was limited. Right. It was $1,000. Right. And so in the past, so this happened, did this happen beginning, middle, or end of June that you went to the ER? Uh, the beginning of June. Beginning of June. So we are almost at the end of September. And so in the past two, two and a half months, you've gotten a thousand dollars and that's it. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's what makes this story so incredible. First, it's how we take our health for granted, but we might wake up one day with a headache only to find out that there's a lot more going on. Mm -hmm. And I guess to the benefit of our healthcare system, they were able to diagnose and treat you to the point where now you're able to get around. Mm -hmm. The tumors in your head are not there. They've mm -hmm. been treated effectively with the radiation. And you're being treated with medication for, for the lung cancer. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, in one sense, this is a great healthcare system. But then when we look at things like health insurance, it looks like we are failing left and right. I mean, it seems like we tried to do everything and this was an extenuating circumstance, something you hadn't planned for. Mm -mm. And the irony of it is that you talk to people on a regular basis about getting benefits. <laughs> and qualifying for benefits only to find out that you don't well everything up to date you have not qualified for and that's that's horrible that people can have a health issue that there was no identifiable risk factor for and find themselves just devastated so I guess my question is, how do you deal with all of this? Um, well, um, it's, it's been hard, you know. I, um, I said by the grace of God, um, I just say by the grace of God, I have people that help me. Some people put some money in my hand here and there. They say, here, take this, um. I know it's not much, but it's something, but they don't know that it means a lot to me when they do do that, you know. So can I ask a few, you don't have to say anything that you don't want to say. How do you buy groceries? Well, I don't have to worry about my groceries. I stay with my brother, and uh, he actually does all the shopping. <laughs> okay. And this was even before all this This was happened. before all this happened. So you don't have to worry about No, I don't. And you're not working right now. Mm -mm. Tell me about the importance of having 
people that are around you and what what would you like to hear from people you know we can't make the cancer go away right what what is helpful to you um, or what's not helpful <laughs> a lot of prayers go up for me which I really do appreciate um like I said I have a very strong I'm gonna say I have a very strong support system um um, my church, my family, my friends, and like I said, my, even my co-workers and um, the people I hang out with when I go out line dancing. Um, I have a great support system, so they are always there to let me know I'm not in this by myself. You know, um, yeah. <laughs> Is there something, if you could ask us for something, what would you ask for? Um, you mean like the health system? Or, or, just or in general. I mean, what would make, what can, what could, what could anyone do that would help make the situation better for you? Um, well, say I I mean I'm I'm so used to having my own income you know what I'm saying so that's a big thing for me so I can't do what I used to do because I'm limited to you know stuff like that um but I would just want an income right now I really would so with that being said like I said unemployment I'm still waiting to hear back from them um, but I have a feeling they're going to deny it, you know, because like the rep told me, even though I'm diagnosed with the lung cancer, they still consider that a voluntary quit. So oh, that was my question. Why are we assuming that you quit? Why can't it be? Uh, this is a question I'm, I'm asking. You had to take off time because you had this medical issue to deal right. with. Now, or I guess the question is, do you feel up to working? Do you feel physically capable of doing the job that you used to do? I think I could go back to work. Excuse me. Excuse mm -hmm. me. Um, I think I could go back to work. Um, like I said, um, they have gave me leave of absence until November the 18th. But I don't know if I'm going to stay out. Till then, um, maybe I might go back to work next month sometime. But I have to see what my doctor says if he'll sign off on it first of all, because mm -hmm. he might not sign off on it. So mm -hmm. I can't go back to work until he gives me the okay. Mm -hmm. And right now they're saying no. He's saying no right now. And he's saying no because you've you've been responding to the medication, right? But he's saying no because it's too taxing on your body? He's saying no because uh, I guess he still wants to see if I will have any of the side effects from the medication, in which mm. they are pretty. I haven't, I didn't bring it with me, but it's a list of side effects. I really haven't had any of them besides being um, sometimes I'm. Tired, real tired, tired mm -hmm. easily. Mm -hmm. um, 
And also, but no, no really bad side effects. I haven't had any, no really well, that's bad one. Yeah. So, but I, I think I might be able to go back to work. Mm. If push comes to shove, I might have to go back before November the 18th. So that's the part that's so hard. That's hard because you're almost, almost have to be willing to jeopardize your health to go back to and your healing in order to be able to take care of yourself. And that's a choice nobody should have to make. Um, so I, I, I have to say that I heard most of the story yesterday <laughs> when you came into the office. And actually, the way you started the story kind of caught me by surprise. I didn't expect the story. You said something like, a lot has happened since I last saw you. <laughs> You were setting me up, and I was like, oh, my. Oh, my. And I guess I I was impressed with how you told the story. I think had it been me, I would have still been crying, and people would have been lifting me off the ground, and um, you're... It's not acceptance, that's not the right word, but your ability to, you know, keep going. To keep going and to have a positive outlook. And what do you think that's, how, how did you end up with such a positive outlook? Or do you have any thoughts about your health, good, bad, or otherwise? Or you, or you just not, you just don't think about it? Well... I can't say that I don't think about it because I'm going through it every day. And every day I have to get up and take eight pills, you know, four in the morning, four in the evening. Um, what was your question? <laughs> so the question is, what are your thoughts about your health? Or do, do you just like, just don't focus in on it and you just keep going? Or you are, oh, how do you... How do you think of it, or what do you think about it? Well, deep down inside, I'm still scared. Um, I'm scared because I don't want it to travel nowhere else in my body. You know what I'm saying? I don't want it to go nowhere else. It already got here. Um, I don't want it to go nowhere else. I really don't. So that's, that's I think about that. Is it going to go anywhere else or something like that? Um, my thing was I don't want to get um, operated on or anything like that. Because mm. sometimes I feel once somebody has cancer and they open them up and it seems like they just go everywhere else. So my one of that's a couple of my fears. But far as um, I try to have a positive outlook. And like I said, my Faith and God helps a lot, and my prayers and my my church member they help a lot too with my faith. Cause um, at one point I was 
losing it. I was when I first found out everything, I just broke down. In that time like this, you'd be like, I wish my mom was here, you mm. know, because I felt like at the time I was going through this by myself. And um, it was a lot to take in at that time for somebody like me that never had nothing wrong with me. And to get hit like that all at one time, that was a lot. Um, but I say I leave basically up to my faith in God right now. Because at this point, that's all I have. So, I think you're a phenomenal woman. Thanks. <laughs> um, this podcast was started way back when about black women's health. And I think um, the, you're just a glowing example of when something happens out of the blue, the strength and the dignity and the faith that you have shown in the midst of your storm is admirable. So thank you for sharing your story. You're welcome. <laughs>